want you to stand with me right now. I want to ask you to join with me in um, a little bit of corporate prayer. I was asked to do this. Uh, I know we are not an EBR, uh, but we have people in East Baton Rouge and in Baton Rouge itself. And uh, the mayor, President Sharon Weston Broom, has asked for us to pray for peace and protection in the city of Baton Rouge and wisdom with city officials and law enforcement. We're joining in with other churches along these lines and seeking opportunities. We're praying for this to listen to the hurt of others, to demonstrate kindness, mercy, and faithfulness, and to pursue unity and healing. Healing happens when leadership lays aside differences and comes together in unity. And with the trouble that we went through this last year and even recently some trouble uh, she has asked for this. Valerie and I have interacted with the mayor president uh, at different times. She was, I think, Senate President Pro Tem. Uh, we did a, a session opening uh, the, the prayer for the Senate at, at the Capitol. And very kind, spirit-filled woman. And we want to pray uh, along these lines. So would you just uh, stretch your hands up towards heaven? And let's ask God. I'll kind of lead the prayer but just pray along in your own words. Father, we ask that you would bring peace and protection in the city of Baton Rouge, the surrounding parishes as well, Lord. We pray for wisdom with our city officials, our law enforcement, God. They put their lives on the line. They make very crucial, critical decisions. I pray that you would be with them and help them. Father, I pray for opportunities for us to hear the hurt of others and to demonstrate kindness your love and mercy and faithfulness. I pray that you would help us to find those opportunities. I pray, God, that you would bring unity and healing, God. I pray that you would help us to lay aside the differences that do not matter at all and to find a common ground, Lord. And I pray that you would bring revival to our city, to our parishes, Lord, that you would bring revival and restoration and renewal, and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Lord. Renew our churches, God. Revive our churches, Father. Help our preachers to get a closer walk with you and a deeper walk in the Word, Father. Bring revelation, God, where there's been blindness, Father. Bring revival and, and a, a, a restoration of life where there's been deadness and staleness. And we give you praise for this right now in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for doing that with me. I want to look to the Bible, 1 Chronicles, chapter 26. <coughs> Men's conference was, it's always crazy. It's wild, man. It's just, it's just uh, wild. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, it's Louisiana. It's got rednecks and river rats and bayou people. I'm a little of all of that. Multicultural, diverse, uh, countryfied, country fried, city, urban. Everybody coming together, though, and lifting up the King of Kings. And the presence of God so strong and so powerful. The Word of God presented powerfully. A lot of passion uh, for Jesus. It's just, it's just awesome. I'm tired, i got to be honest with you, uh, but I'm renewed in here and excited. I feel like God gave me some direction. Some people prophesied over me. I felt like it was the, the word of the Lord for us at this time. Some of this may come out. First Chronicles 26, 26, and 27. It may come out today. This Shelomith, uh, try saying that, this Shelomith. And his brethren were over all the treasuries of the dedicated things which King David and the heads of fathers' houses, the captains over thousands and hundreds and the captains of the army, had dedicated. Some of the spoils won in battles, they dedicated to maintain the house of the Lord. A few other translations say it like this, to repair the house of the Lord. In other words, there was a fight for them to fix the house of the Lord. And I want to preach a message. Uh, I don't know exactly. This is like, I should even confess this, and this is always makes you nervous, but I don't know exactly 
where we're going to end up with this. So you just need to pray that I get there and I get there quickly. So I want to preach a message just simply entitled Fight, Fight. So let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just uh, anoint me to speak your word. I pray that you would anoint us to hear your word. I pray that you would give us a word from the word, God, that would be relevant to us this very day. Today, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice and are glad in it. And I give you praise for all that you're going to do today in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Fight. We know Jesus is building his church. He said so in Matthew 16, 17. Upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Paul said in Acts 20 and 28 that the church belongs to Jesus. He purchased it, it says, with his own blood. The institution of the church, the spiritual entity that we know as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is always good, okay? It's good because God has built it, and He doesn't do anything wrong. So the church is always good. But the quality and the power of our gatherings, well, honestly, they can be good. They can be great. They can be not so good. I've been to some gatherings that were better than others. Have you? You ever been to good church? And then sometimes you went to church and you said, that was okay. And then you went to church, a gathering sometimes, and you said, wow, that was awful. Have you ever done that? Can you be honest with me, right? Sometimes our gatherings are better than other times. And so I'm not dealing with the entertainment value of the gathering, but I'm dealing with the spiritual results. Because the value of our gathering is not so much did we get all the notes right, but did the Spirit of God move? Did the Word of God prevail? Were lives impacted and changed for eternity? That's where the value is right there. And so, having said that, that kind of church Gathering takes a fight. It takes tenacity. Our text is speaking of when the temple was in disrepair. It had been neglected. It was falling apart. Its former glory was just a memory. And it should not have been that way. But it had been neglected. There had been fights that had not been fought, and as a result, the place was falling down, which was a reproach to the people of God. They had let it get that way. It was on them. It had become that way. I can't help but think of modern church in North America and how that it's such a parallel because just as the temple had fallen apart, the modern church has been... Uh, neglected. There have been fights that have not been fought, things that are on us, not on God, and we've let it go. And as a result, we have a church that if you could see in the spirit, there's pieces missing. There's things falling apart because the people haven't fought to have an excellent connection when it comes to the spiritual things of God. There is a desperate lack in our services, and in our gatherings because we have not connected as we should have with Him, with the God of the house. And when I read stories in the Bible, and we heard some at man camp, but when I read stories in the Bible about church gatherings back then, not church gatherings from the early 20th century, not church gatherings from the 16th century or even back to the 4th century, which I read books about those things all the time, but not those eras. But when I read stories of gatherings 
from the church that I know really was the church firing on all cylinders in the book of Acts, I read things that stir me and provoke me and honestly creates a hunger in me to see that once again. Listen to this from the book of Acts chapter 2. Are you with me? I better keep this up. I'm like Darren back there. I'm a little hoarse. I feel like I was at a football game some. I certainly yelled and screamed like I was. Acts chapter 2. Listen to this. The word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's a gathering. You see that? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. That's not speaking in tongues. That's literal flames, licking flames that were individualized licking flames that set on each one of them. Now, there's 120 in this room. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the speaking in tongues. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, capital S, gave them the utterance or the ability to do so. Now, that, now that's a gathering right there, wouldn't you say? That's church unusual. That's not on the agenda. In other words, Peter didn't have a service agenda, and it said, now here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray, and then we're going to stop praying because we have the wind machine cranked up out here. And, and on at, at 10.07, we're going to push the button, and the wind machine is going to start blowing a, a wind in. And then at 10.07, Oh, seven and 30 seconds, we're going to pull out our Zippos. Make sure you got oil in your Zippo because we're going to we're going to put the flame on our top of our heads. And then we're going to speak in languages we do not understand uh, because that's what's going to happen at 10.07 uh, and 50 seconds. It, was, it could not have been micromanaged like that. It couldn't have been managed at all like that by humanity. It was just they gathered, and we'll look at some details regarding that, but they gathered and then suddenly on God's timetable, not necessarily on theirs, suddenly a sound comes from heaven and a wind comes from heaven Fills the house, fires, in spite of this wind, sit on their heads. That had to be totally weird. Now, we will get consumed with looking at the wind, the sound, the fire. But it's interesting to note that if you will just kind of read it like this. First of all, verse 40 says, with Many other words he testified and exhorted, saying, Be safe from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and there were 3,000 souls added that day. So 3,000 people as a result of what happened in a gathering of 120. By the end of the day, there was 3,120. A couple of things I'd like to point out. The supernatural element here is huge, wouldn't you say? Huge supernatural element. When the day of Pentecost, let's read it like this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, now let's go to verse 4, because we get hung up on the wind and the fire and the sound, which we do not see uh, throughout the book of Acts, but what we see next, we do see throughout the gatherings of the book of Acts. So we read it like this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly 
they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Wow. What would happen? If suddenly, forget denominations. There were no denominations. Forget it. If just, there's probably 120 of us here today. What if 120 of us suddenly were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance? First of all, I'd probably, I've got to be honest, I'd probably be the first one totally freaked out. I would probably say, are you kidding me? Like, well, it's like I've dreamed of this, you know, like, wow. What would happen? i tell you what would happen. It would change our lives forever. It would rock our church forever. But that's what I'm hungry for. Now, let me clarify something here. It says, they were filled with the Spirit. They is still in the sentence. The wording is, they were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them the ability. People have the idea that speaking in tongues is, I stand there mute until God fills me, and then irresistibly I start he moves my mouth and I start speaking in tongues. My voice is inflected. Noises come out of my throat as God makes that happen. Let me just say that is a lie from the pit of hell. No one ever speaks in tongues without their own personal cooperation with the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, it's not God's fault. It's you've not learned to cooperate and submit to the moving of the Spirit, and you've not taken a leap of faith where you speak. If you stand mute, you will not speak with tongues. And we'll look at that. There's Scripture for it. We'll see it today. We'll see what was going on here that preceded this. But suddenly... Everybody went from not speaking in tongues and not being filled to speaking in tongues as they were filled with the Spirit. No denominations, just people. Everybody say people. Jesus, people, mission. Just people speaking in tongues as they were moved on by the Spirit. Powerful demonstration. People cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Now let me say what they were doing that preceded this. Luke 24 tells us these folks for 10 days straight. Think about it. Today is Sunday. Last Sunday, seven days ago. I'm not good with numbers, so like Wednesday, right? Something like that. Wednesday a week ago, 10 days. From then through Sunday, all the way through the week, through this Sunday, 10 days straight, they had been gathered together. So in other words, we, we have an hour. They were together for 10 days straight. Now, they didn't do this all the time. We're going to see in the rest of the book of Acts, they didn't have 10-day church services. How would you like that? Like, when's church? Oh, well, it uh, starts at 10. Oh, what time y'all get out? Um, Wednesday week. <laughs> right? 10 days straight. We're that church. Yeah, yeah. Well, it starts at 10. But it's over, uh, you know, probably about noon, 11 o'clock, thir- thir- 1 o'clock, uh, uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, Wednesday week, uh, a week from Wednesday. Uh, it'll be a week from Wednesday. 
Ten days straight. Okay, I just want to get the perspective. Ten days straight. Ten days straight. And what were they doing in those ten days straight? Well, Luke 24 tells us they were praising and worshiping God. For ten days straight. Praising and worshiping God. Ten days. Praise and worship. You're talking about that song, I could sing of your love forever. Their eyes are rolled back in their heads, you know, like, I feel like we've been singing this song forever. Get a new song. We've been singing this for a day and a half. Let's get another song. I wonder what the set list was. You know, like they have three songs, four songs, 18 songs, 39 songs. I'll tell you what, they had, they had 150 psalms. They were singing the psalms. These were Jews. There's no denomination, but they were Jews, and they knew the psalms. The word psalm means song. They were singing 150 psalms. So they had music. They sang the psalms. So they're praising and worshiping God musically. People are like, I can't sing. It don't matter. God doesn't say, ooh, I wish he'd shut up. You know, you start singing. I, I, I tell, I, I'm going to be honest with you right now. We've had this discussion. It's been a while. Brother Ron back here is a worshiper. I love Ron. Ron, I remember when Ron walked through the doors on Tiggy Duplessis. I remember when that family, beautiful family, came to Life Point for the first time. And I don't think they've missed a service since, just about. I mean, they, they've been so faithful and so consistent. And Brother Ron came from a Presbyterian and a Baptist background and, 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 and whatnot. And, and so we were a little wild, a little exuberant. And Ron is, let me just put it this way, he's not... He is not, uh, he, he is, uh, he is not, uh, what, <laughs> Denise is saying, go with it. I mean, what's a great singer? You know, he's not Michael Bolton. I don't know. Like, I don't know where that came from. He's pre-haircut or post-haircut. He's, he's not, he, he's not, he's not Wesley. He's, he doesn't. His his he did not try out for the worship team, and we're grateful that he didn't try out to sing. But I'll tell you this: if you stand anywhere next next to him, you're going to hear him singing, and he doesn't have to sing good because Jesus hears those songs. He lifts his voice. In song, he sings the song. So Jesus didn't listen to those Jews that were singing in the upper room and say, uh, you need to quit singing. Uh, you start, it's because they were all, if they were all filled, I'm telling you, they were all raising their voices. They were all singing those psalms to the Lord Jesus. They were engaged in praise and worship. What we do in modern church is we let the people on the stage engage and we watch them. You know what that is? Entertainment. Not worship. Not praise. People say, oh, that was the worship and praise. Did you worship in praise? Then it wasn't worship and praise for you. You watch somebody else worship in praise. It ain't worship and praise until it's you. God is seeking those who worship Him in spirit and in truth, not who watch others do it. You've got to do the worshiping and the praising God. 120 that day, they were not watching the praise team, watching those on the stage. They were engaged themselves in 150 psalms. And in those psalms, in those songs, they were singing songs about Raising their hands, bowing their knees, clapping their hands, shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. They were reading psalms about dancing before the Lord. They were reading psalms about playing music. Singing, 
They were reading, singing these psalms about these very physical, tactile, demonstrative things that God prefers when it comes to praise and worship of His name. Not what I prefer. And I am, not, I am not against being contemplative and quiet before the Lord. Let my words be few. You are God alone. Here I am on earth. I am not going to say. There are times I'm silent before the Lord. I'm not against being contemplative. I'm not against being silent and listening. I'm not against honor and respect. But so much of what we claim to be honor and respect. I'm just, can, I just, can I say it? Might as well, right? Only the people that are supposed to be here are here today. So you must have ears to hear. I'm just going to assume that in the name of Jesus. Instead of that being like reverence and stuff, it is really fear, which is really based in pride, which is really based on what is everybody going to think about me. So what we say is an excuse. I'm just not that personality, you see. I am quiet. And I've said this before. Yeah, you're quiet until Coach Ogeron makes a bad decision and you ain't quiet no more. Mr. Contemplative has become quite vocal. I'm just trying to help you. Ten days. Ten days singing the Psalms. It says they were praising and worshiping God. What is praise and worship to God? Look in the Psalms. If you can sing the Psalms, can't you do the Psalms? So if they were singing the Psalms, then you would think they would obey those Psalms. I've heard people say, well, in the Old Testament, they sacrificed lambs too. That's why we don't play musical instruments. You ever heard a church like that? I've heard of churches that don't use musical instruments because that's Old Testament. And you go back to the psalm, and he's like, well, David said, praise him with the loud-sounding cymbals. And they're like, oh, but David also said that we offer sacrifices as, you know, lambs as sacrifices. But that's not the point. The point is the sacrifice has been made. The ultimate lamb has been slain. If they worship God because their sins were rolled ahead for a year, if they worship God with all these demonstrative ways of doing it that God has prescribed based on sins being removed just for a year on a lesser lamb, what about a greater sacrifice and a greater covenant and a greater lamb? And what about my sins being remitted past, present, future, forever? Being remitted? What kind of clapping? What kind of shouting? What kind of singing? What kind of demonstration should I give to my Lord in the way that he prefers it on his terms? Not on my pride. On his humility, I will humble myself before him as he humbled himself to become a man. Can you give him praise right now? Can you do it in a physical, tactile way? The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it. God is giving on a regular basis, but if you want it, you got to grab it for yourself. You may be seated. Wow, I'm tired. I need to get like a... That's awesome. I need to start getting a little styrofoam cup, you know, with some uh, Red Bull. just amazing to me for 10 days everybody say 10 days clapping shouting dancing kneeling raising hands singing doing music people say man I don't feel like doing that who cares how you feel our worship's not based on how we feel it's based on obedience a to what he prefers and sees as worship b it's based on his performance. He died on a cross. So 
They were worshiping and praising. Thank you, Lord. You died and you were risen from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Messiah came. Thank you, Lord. The seed of the woman was born and has crushed the head of the serpent. Thank you, Lord, that you won the victory. Thank you for all that you've done. And we are here waiting on you. You said that you would come, that you would send the promise. You said you would. And here we are giving you praise for it, Lord. Hadn't even happened yet. They knew the Spirit was coming. And they did not understand necessarily why it had not happened to them yet. Am I in the Bible? Jesus said, it's expedient, King James, that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send the promise of the Father. He said, go tarry in Jerusalem until you're filled with power. They were waiting. They knew that was coming. But it had not happened yet. So they didn't have the goosebumps that comes with a, the whole the presence of God, per se. They had not been filled, so they weren't energized from that experience yet. So it wasn't based on their feelings. It was based on, he made me a promise, hey, and I believe it. You know what that is? Faith. They were praising God for faith, uh, praising God in faith. He made promises. I haven't experienced it yet, but I'm going to give him the praise anyway. Because I know when he gets good and ready, hallelujah, I give you praise, Lord. Thank you for suffering and dying and raising. Thank you for the promise of the Spirit that I've yet to receive. I give you praise in advance for it, Lord. Listen, in old school church, back, I'm older than I look. I know I look super duper young and healthy and fit and just amazing, uh, just prematurely gray, you know, like uh, I've aged so well. I, I get all that, right? Thank you very much. But, but here's the deal. I'm old. I'm very old. I've been in church a long time, Josh. Been around church for a long time. Left church at one time, but I grew up in it. I grew up around, and I grew up around man camp kind of church. And in the day, we used to have, Sister Cynthia, what we call victory marches. Oh, I'm thinking about preaching a sermon on the victory march. The victory march. The victory march was really based on. Joshua at Jericho, and the people were instructed, march around the walls seven days, once a day. And on the seventh time, seven, on the seventh day, seven times. And then shout, and God's going to give you a great victory. Walls still standing, but you're going to shout anyway, and the walls are going to come down. But you shout first. You're going to praise in advance. You're going to dance in advance. And then the walls are going to come. And I remember in my little church, uh, 701 Traffic Street, Bossier City, Louisiana, little, not much bigger than this right here, there were times, man, when the service got charged and faith, not necessarily feeling, faith got high. And, and somebody would lead it inevitably. Brother Smith, Brother Scott, Brother Dean, somebody would just, they would just, they would get it. Brother Dean wasn't there back then, so I don't know who I'm talking about. But somebody would lead it, and, and it would go like this. They'd be all like, "Woo, thank you, Lord. And they'd get up, and they'd just, they'd start walking around the outside aisles. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They'd start like an idiot walking around the aisles like this. And it wasn't long, come on, Adam. It wasn't long before somebody else would, would would join them, start walking. And it wasn't long. Come on, Ray. It, it wasn't long. Come on, Logan. It wasn't long before, man, like people were, whoo. And then, honest, honest to God, the entire church, except women holding their babies and, you know, and, and the backsliders, and they, they, everybody was walking around the church, and the place would just start going crazy. Faith would be... Based on feelings? No. Based on faith. Victory was imminent. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. It was a praise in advance of what was about to happen. I want to take away the excuse of I don't feel like it. Who cares? It's obedience. 
It's because he's worthy. These are the things that God prefers regarding worship. And then also because God, it's a controversial scripture. It says, we say it like this, he inhabits the praises of his people. That's not what the scripture says. It says that he's enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, what that means is the people with whom he has a covenant, the people with whom he is in covenant, when they lift their voices, creates a throne where the king arises and takes his place and his authority and his rule is exercised. Because the will of God is not done across this earth. You know, big controversy, theology about God being in control of everything. I wish he was. There wouldn't be hell on earth like there is. God's not as bad as the rap he gets from religious people especially. I had a relative who took his own life, and I heard people say, well, you know, God knows what he's doing. I'm like, are you kidding me? You think God did that? He did that. I've had a revelation. God's good. It don't matter what's going on with DH. DH has struggles, but God's good. I don't base him, I don't worship him based on my performance or lack of it. I worship him because of how good he is. And so, so you know, there are, there are places and times when God is not calling the shots in your life. You are. I choose to take that drink. I choose to sleep with that person. I choose to, to smoke that. I choose to do, I choose to do that. I got myself in this mess. But where God takes his throne is where the covenant people begin to say, have your way, oh God. Not my will, but thine be done. Be enthroned in this place. You call the shots. You increase and let me decrease, Lord. It's that idea of submission and worship and bowing before him and demonstratively demonstrating to him your praise and your worship. And he says, that's what I like right there. Let me come down here and begin to answer these prayers. and Let me give you the solutions that you're after. And the Spirit of God begins to make the, the things happen that need to happen because that's where he's welcome. He's welcome. You know, if, if in the middle of a temptation you started praising and worshiping God and setting up a throne for the king of kings, that temptation is going to take off. It's not going to be as powerful anymore because the God of the universe has set up You've, you've set a place for him. He's calling the shots in your life. He has the dominion in that place. So God inhabits, yes, the praises of his people, but it's, it's a little more technical. The king is enthroned on the praises of his covenanted people. People of the name. Does that make sense? This is kind of a teaching, preaching session today. Uh. So they were praising and worshiping God. I, I noticed this also. They had a seating capacity issue. Acts 1 says there was about 120 in the upper room. By the end of the day, there was 3,120. They couldn't seat that many in the upper room, so it spilled over into the streets. I, on Tiggy Duplessis, we, we had about 100. We, I called it 104 on the floor. We had 104 seats on the floor. 104 on the floor. We'd fill up, we had a little balcony space, but that was kind of a joke. You know, the birds were up there and sometimes the bats. Some of you didn't know that, but yeah. You knew about the birds, you could hear them, they sang to us. But there were also a few bats. And uh, 104 on the floor. Here, uh, when we get our, we we put some back, but we've got 300 chairs we'll uh, sit out. uh, Easter, we had 308. Wasn't that amazing? Had 308 people here in the house. Uh, did I say 308? We have 200 seats. That's my vision. 
That's my vision. I am a successful pastor of a powerful and growing church of over 300. Amen. I lead with wisdom, excellence, boldness, and confidence. Hmm. I plant and water with joy and faith, knowing God. I'm just going to finish it out. Knowing God is giving the increase. And and I'm anxious for nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm a a man of tremendous influence. I have favor with God, favor with man, and I'm feared in hell. I'm a ridiculous giver. I'm known for my generosity. I'm a blessing to the body of Christ worldwide. Life points becoming a financial powerhouse with more than enough to do what God's called us to do. And, and people are looking at us and saying, of all people, I never thought it would be you who was so blessed. That's who I am. That's, I am who I am, says I am. Jeff and Jamie, absolutely, that's who I am. Who are you? That's who I am. But we, we could seat 200 people here. We had 200 seats. We had 208. We had more people than seating. Uh, so we can seat about a little more than 120. We're a little bigger than the first church, at least in the first day. Well, first part of the day. By the afternoon, though, there were 3,120. They had a seating capacity problem. Ten days worship praise, and I'm closing. Ten days worship uh, worship praise. Oh, my goodness, just power of God. They are all filled, speaking with tongues. By the end of the day, 3,120 people filled with the Spirit, speaking with tongues. Wouldn't you think that the 120 had schooled them? People are like, what's your secret? What's your key? Give them the praise. Worship Him. Lose your inhibition. It's not about you. It's about Him. Get your prideful eyes off yourself and your accomplishments or your lack of them. Get your prideful eyes off of yourself and your your superiority or your inferiority. Get your eyes off of self and just get your eyes on Jesus and begin to express your praise and worship to Him in the ways that He likes. Sing to Him, clap to Him, raise your voice to Him, pray to Him. I mean, lift that voice up to Him. And watch what, and 3,120 were saved that day. Acts 3, lame man at the gate, beautiful, a crowd gathers. Peter and John preach Jesus. Acts 4, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them. They were disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. That means that the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, when they laid hands on them, it doesn't mean they prayed for them like in Jesus' name. Woo! No, they took them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those heard the word believe about 5,000. So now they're at 8,000, but really that's 5,000 men. So the total number of converts that day was probably 10,000 or more. Supernatural, Holy Spirit, animation, anointed believers. Believers moving with the Spirit. They're arrested. They're released. And there's a prayer meeting that ensues. This is Acts 3, 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said and done to them. So their own companions, you would think, you know, 15, 20, 30. Their companions could mean 15 or 20,000 by now. They went to this throng of people. They were gathering again. But they were gathering for prayer. This was first Monday prayer. We have that tomorrow night. First church praised and worshiped, but they prayed. And so here's 15 or 20,000 of them gathered together praying. So, verse 24, so when they, however many, thousands, heard that, the story of their release and their arrest, they raised their, what they raise? They raised their voice. They raised their voice to God with one accord. 
Lord your God, who made heaven and earth and the sea that is in them. Now they start quoting scripture, who by thy mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage? Well, one of my favorite scriptures. And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. This is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs, wonders would be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. When's the last time you went to a prayer meeting where the whole house shook? When's the last time you went to a prayer meeting where there were thousands of believers gathered together? You probably have not been to many of those. You know why? Because we like to come to church. When it comes to a prayer meeting, we don't see that as church. That's a prayer meeting. And we don't want to we don't want to do that. Well, it's got quiet. What I'm saying is, you gotta fight if you're gonna see God's stuff flow through this church. You gotta fight. You gotta take the time. I'm gonna go to prayer meeting. I'm going to gather together. We're going to seek the face of God. We're going to see Jesus in that word. We're going to pray that word. And we're going to pray that God would do something awesome. Use me, God, as I speak your word with boldness. Give me boldness to speak your word. Don't let me be shy and intimidated. Give me a boldness to speak your word. And God, confirm your word with signs and miracles and wonders. Don't restrain. Don't hold back. This is a prayer for the message to spread supernaturally. And as they prayed it, God liked it. And God shook the house and said, I like what you're doing. And they were filled with the Spirit, and they went out with boldness. Stand with me right now. I want church unusual. I want church that's different. Used to, you could sing a few, I call it rock and roll worship. You could sing a few modern worship courses, and people were like, ooh, they're different. You could wear tennis shoes to church, and people were like, ooh, that's edgy. So edgy. I like that church. But then, you know, you could do a black ceiling, do some cool lights. People are like, ooh, I like the lights. Oh, what an atmosphere. Man, that's pretty awesome. How relevant. That's so relevant. And so then every church in town starts doing it. And it's now just the way we do church. Nothing edgy about it. People will say, I'm tired of that, and they'll go back to high church and wearing, you know, religious garb or a suit and tie every time, a particular way, whatever. And they'll, they'll do the lights, or they'll do stained glass windows, and they'll do a gigantic ceiling and, and get everybody's attention to look up towards God. And we'll, we'll just go back to those patterns of substituting humility in praise and worship and an opening of our hearts and an obedience to the Word and getting in a flow of the Spirit. Because God's not so concerned with all this stuff, y'all. He ain't concerned with my chucks. He ain't concerned with me wearing a nice suit. He ain't concerned with that stuff. He's concerned with what's going on right here. He's concerned with what's going on right here. Decisions I'm making. Lord, I humble myself before you. I've been a fool, God. But you died on a cross, and I give you the praise. You've been better than me than I deserve, Lord. The nations tried to stop it, but they couldn't stop you, Lord. And I just want you to know, here's one person who says thank you. Here's one person at the foot of the cross that's saying thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood and taking my sins away. And I, I don't understand it's just a hand, but I'm going to raise it to you in praise. It's just some feet, but I'm going to move them a little bit in worship and praise to you. It's just a voice, but I'm going to scream out to the highest heavens, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I don't understand what you get out of that, but Lord, have your way in my life. 
And I'm telling you, as you do that, the Holy Spirit flows and you are filled. And there is a change that you ain't going to get any other way. People are like, man, I'm going to therapy, I'm going to counseling, and I'm not against that. I'm trying to find ways to change. My wife's a counselor. I'm trying to find ways to change. And I'm trying this man, and I'm trying that man. Why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you try humbling yourself before Dr. Jesus and say, I'll take the medicine of the word, and I'll put my hand in your life, Lord. I'm sick of being religious, and I am going to engage in this fight. I get it. Jesus won the victory. The victory's been won. But you want to move a God? You've got to fight. A friend of mine, Cliff Lejeune, 23 years ago, 25 years ago, I was in Oakdale. Cliff held up a can of beans. And he said, man, you want a can of beans to move? You want to move a beans? you got to shake the can. And he shook the can. Those beans are moving now. And he said, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You want to move a God? Move the temple. Watch what God does. Shake the can. Amen. Can you bow your heads with me right now? Close your eyes. Father, I preached longer than I wanted to. But God, I tried to get a message across to these precious people. I pray they wouldn't find offense in your word, but they would find a challenge. And I pray that we accept the challenge to this fight. And it's not a fight with me. It's really not even a fight with you. It's a fight with their flesh. It's a fight with themselves. Do I or do I not? Should I or should I not? It's a fight. It's a fight to, to, to overcome the pride, to overcome self, to overcome fear and to engage and begin worship, worshiping you, Lord, demonstratively. In, in a, in simple, they're just simple. If you would have asked for something hard, we would have done it. If you'd have said, I'll forgive your sins, just give me $500,000. Lord, we'd have worked hard, we'd have sold stuff, we'd have foundations and fundraisers. And we'd be trying to get people saved, as many as we could, because it just takes $500,000 for ourselves and for other souls. And we'd be working on that. If, we, if you'd asked for something hard, we'd have tried to find a way to do it, invent a way to do it, find a way to do it. But God, it's, it's freely given. But God, we've got to fight for that access and fight in faith, Lord, to overcome pride and self. And It's really just simple, just opening ourselves up. One of the ways, some of the ways we could do that is just expressing ourselves. I'm open to you, God. God, I'm open to you. Challenge us today, God. In Jesus' name.